How do you maximize performance with your sales force? My name is Anthony Garcia, and I'm the host of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Join me every week as we discuss topics such as performance or improving retention. And we do so by interviewing some of the top sales professionals and entrepreneurs around the world. Now, let's enjoy the show. Catapulting Commissions family. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. We're going to have a different uh, podcast show today. Typically, I have a sales guest on or an expert leadership thought uh, guest on or someone along those lines of capacity. Uh, today, you're going to hear the audio portion from the last Catapulting Commission sales training, which was a live webinar, which we discussed ways to influence your prospects to say yes. This is true, uncut, behind-the-scenes audio of what we do with the Catapulting Commission sales training. If you want to learn more about it, reach out to me. You can always uh, go to Anthony P. Garcia, get an opportunity to get a schedule, uh, a time on my calendar. Either someone, either myself or somebody on my team will get an opportunity to get back to you. Shoot me a DM. You can find uh, all my social media profiles at anthonypgarcia.com or go to catapultingcommissions.com, get a copy of the book for free, uh, and we'll get you all situated and squared up there. But listen to this. I would appreciate your feedback. Give it back to me. Uh, If there's something you've learned, great. If there's something you want to hear more of, shoot me a message. I'll be sure to elaborate that on the next sales training. Subscribe and get notified of the next live sales training. Love to have you part of it. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Good evening. I'm Anthony Garcia. I am your host. I'm the author of the book, Catapulting Commissions, uh, host of the Catapulting Commissions podcast, uh, overall sales junkie and sales enthusiast. I'm bringing to you live uh, my very first live sales training course. So thank you for joining me on the first one. I can assure you it won't be the last one. So let me give you a brief rundown of what we're going to accomplish today. I'm going to spend about 30 to 45 minutes really diving in in the psychological reasons why people say yes. Now, if you're like me, you're probably hesitant to join a webinar. And I know that because I've been hesitant to join webinars. I've even been more hesitant to host my own webinar. And the reason I share that with you is every time I join a webinar, I feel like it's just this long, drawn-out sales pitch of someone selling me uh, their program, selling me their course, selling me, wanting me to pay for something to learn more information. And I I just, I hate it. I have to be honest with you. It just frustrates me. My time is valuable and so is your time. So if I'm going to give somebody an hour of my time, I want to get something in return. So that's my promise to you today as we get this thing started. I'm going to ensure to provide some value. And I'm also going to give you an opportunity to take some skills that we discussed that you can apply into your business, in your life, uh, in all areas today. This is not going to be something that you have to pay extra for. You'll learn it by simply sticking with me. Now, here's my caveat. If you stick with me to the very end, I'm going to give you an opportunity to shoot me an email with the code word for the day. And if you shoot me an email with the code word for the day, I'll share it with you at the end. With all honesty, I'm going to give you a package that I definitely uh, would charge for. And I'm just going to tell you up front, there's no hardcore close at the end. There's no sales pitch at the end. With all honesty, I have a Uh, really busy schedule, but I've just made some room to pick up some few additional individual coaching clients. So if you want to get your first complimentary coaching session, I'll give you the opportunity to do that with me at the end. Other than that, if you take some value out of this stuff today, dude, shoot me an email, tag me, post this on social media. I'd look forward to hearing with you. Uh, If you've registered and shown up, do not worry. I will send you a digital copy of Catapulting Commissions as soon as the webinar is over. So let me go share my screen here.
with you. So now I'm going to be coming uh, back and forth from uh, engaging and talking about what's on the PowerPoint screen and then also coming back off sport just to share a few uh, moments and comments with you. So like I said, we're planning to spend about 30 to 45 minutes today. So my very first concern that I bring up and that, that really drives me insane. You see, I probably have interviewed, um, let's say over 1,000, 1,500 people trying to break into a career in sales, whether it was entry-level sales, uh, business-to-business sales, medical sales, whatever the shape, form, or capacity. I've interviewed thousands of people. And I've coached, I would say, even close to thousands, if not hundreds, of people either personally, um, individually, from a corporate standpoint, on sales, uh, sales philosophies, uh, essentially getting someone to say yes. And what's really shocking to me is many times I come across quote unquote professional or advanced sales personnel that don't fully understand why someone says yes. And this is mind blowing to me. If your job is to have someone say yes, you should know why they say yes. Now, if you're joining the live stream right now and you're just seeing this, you're like, Anthony, dude, I'm not a salesperson. I don't, I don't understand why I'm listening to you today. Hey, no problem. I will simply share this. The ability to influence a decision to say yes is a skill that is valuable for life. Everyone needs to know how to do it. And once you learn the psychology behind having people try to convince you or influence you to say yes, you're a little bit more defensive. That's why they say selling to a salesperson is always difficult because we know all the strategies, all the tactics. And for me personally, I appreciate a good sales pitch that a good sales pitch that's authentic and genuine and someone who truly understands the ability to influence. So let's talk about that a little bit more deeper today. Now, the job of a salespreneur, and I call people a salespreneur, either you're a sales professional or you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, some shape, form, or capacity. Your job is to get your prospects to say yes. Bottom line, we will call them prospects, potential clients, pipeline candidates, email candidates, whatever you want to use the terminology. If you're in sales and entrepreneurship, I call you a salespreneur because sales is one of the only careers in the world that you get paid for your performance next to being a professional athlete. If you put up revenue, you get paid. If you own a business and you sell revenue, you get paid. Your job is to get people to say yes. So that is an assumption I'm going to make moving forward that you and I agree our job is to get people to say yes. However, this is what's bewildering and mind-blowing to me that the national closing percentage for sales professionals to get someone to say yes, to say yes to your offer, to say yes to your product, to say yes to I will give you my credit card information, I will sign your contract, yes, I, I will pick your local, I will go with you to dinner, whatever the situation is, 19%. 19%. I have to be honest with you. If you're in a career in sales and your closing percentage is 19%, or if you're in entrepreneurship and your closing percentage is 19%, I have to be honest, that career is probably difficult. It's probably one of the reasons why that a career in sales has such a high turnover rate. Do you know the average sales professional is looking for a different job within their first two years? And this is millennial salespeople, so I don't want to uh, categorize everybody, but the average millennial salesperson within the first two years is looking for another sales job. It's not because their first, jail, first sales job sucked. It's the rejection. 80% of the time you're being told no. That's the average. A top-rated, top company that has a high, uh, credible, high, high respectable sales training program, that number jumps up to 29%. 
And if you want to know where I got this data from, shoot me an email and I'll be more than happy to share with you some of these sources. However, we are going to agree that that isn't enough. Bottom line, selling that level isn't enough. Now, a little bit about myself. Uh, I've been involved in sales and sales capacity for nearly 18 years. As you already know, I'm Anthony Garcia. I have a podcast called Catapulting Commissions, a book called Catapulting Commissions. Uh, I've trained sales forces both domestically and internationally. And what I'm bringing to you today is 100% applicable, usable, I guess that's the same word. And honestly, this webinar is live and it's authentic. So I will be a completely genuine and sharing what it is I do, what it is I've used. And I'm not a quote unquote sales coach that doesn't live this lifestyle. You see, I've interviewed a couple of sales coaches and sales gurus. And when I hear them say that uh, they no longer sell, they just coach people to sell. You know, I, I get a little nervous. Gotta be honest with you, I still sell. I'm still in the industry of influencing people to say yes. So I am just like you. So I want to ensure that you understand you and I are on the same page. So what we're covering today, we we'll cover three simple principles. And these are three principles that you can apply and implement immediately. One, the law of mutual exchange. Two, pain versus pleasure. And three, social validation. Once you understand and implement these three principles, I can guarantee your ability to influence someone to say yes is going to be significantly higher than it was before using these three simple principles. And I have to say this, full disclosure, this isn't my entire tool book. I'm not teaching everything I know about how to influence someone to say yes. If I did that, I wouldn't be able to do that on a brief webinar and we'd be here for a really long time. If at the end you say, hey, Anthony, you know what? You, you, you taught me something. I've learned something. I appreciate your feedback. And if you want to jump on a free call with me, stick at the end. I'll give you the code word of the day. Join me for a free coaching call. I'd love to see how I can help you out. I typically don't do this. Put it, this in perspective. Catapulting Commissions has been out for nearly a year now. This is my first time uh, offering coaching, uh, a coaching call for free individual coaching clients. So let's talk a little bit about sales and just get some clear ground rules out of the way. Sales is a service, okay? There's, there's really no such thing as convincing someone against their own will. As someone who coaches clients, that's one of my uh, pet peeves when someone calls me. How can I convince somebody to say yes? If you think about it, it's, all, it's, it's, it's kind of creepy. Let's just point blank say it. Would you have to convince your partner to say yes to you? Think about dating, marriage, relationships. Is there such a thing as convincing someone against their free will? The answer is no. And that's not what sales is. Sales is a service. Now, I, I don't sell my product or, or, prom, or uh, process to someone. Uh, I sell it for someone. So once you make that mental shift that you're not selling at somebody, you're selling for someone because you genuinely believe that your product will be of an extreme benefit and it's going to enhance the quality of their life. Now, these are simple, simple ground rules that you have to implement to understand how to influence somebody. And the value that you know about your product um, or your service is so valuable that you would feel it's wrong for you not to share it with your prospect, for you not to use the skills of influence with your prospect. So that is really my understanding and my definition of sales. Bottom line, guys, sales is a process. It is a process that we do for people to enhance their lives. There is no such thing as a natural born salesperson. There's no such thing as the gift of gab that gets you anywhere. This is industry, is taught, it's learned, it's mastered. And the first 
uh, shift you'll want to make is understanding that sales is a service we do for people. It's not what we do to people. All right, so let's talk about it. Let's get into this influencing stuff. Uh, let's really dive in and truly understand what it means to get somebody to say yes. The law of mutual exchange. I love this. And I have to be honest with you. Once you learn this, you'll never look at uh, negotiations ever the same. You see, really, getting someone to say yes is simply a negotiation. You have an offer, they have an objection. You want that person to say yes, they want to ensure they're getting great value, right? That is an exchange. It is a business exchange. I'm going to offer you a product or service and you are going to say yes, or hopefully you're going to say yes. So how do we implement the law of mutual exchange to influence somebody to say yes? Now, I'm going to share something with you. And as I, as I move to the next slide, I have to be honest with you. When I share this slide and when I share this philosophy with people, everyone has a negative connotation at first. So bear with me. It's not a bad thing. Quid pro quo. When you hear the phrase quid pro quo, it is typically a negative association. It is not allowed in business anymore. There's no more days of scratch my back, I scratch your back. And, and this, when we use quid pro quo, it, it typically uh, would be uh, in the form of bribery. It would be in the form of uh, gifts for service, right? I'm going to give you something, I'm going to get something of serviceable in exchange. And in that aspect, quid pro quo, yeah, it's probably a negative. Does it influence people? If it did, it wouldn't be a negative. So I'm not here to tell you that you should be using quid pro quo to get your business. But I'm telling you, that's the basic fundamental for the law of mutual exchange. And what the law of mutual exchange is something for something. When you understand that us as humans, we have a deep psychological um, being or we have a deep psychological feeling for us to want to reciprocate actions that are given to us. If somebody does a kind gesture to you, it is natural that you want to reciprocate that gesture back. And I'll, I'll give you an example of some mutual um, exchange favors that people want to reciprocate. You go to lunch with your colleague, coworker, and you offer to pay for lunch. What happens the next time? A group of guys gets together, a group of girls gets together for a happy hour or social drink, and the first round of drinks come, and someone puts their credit card down first and says, I got this round. What naturally happens on the second round? Someone else, someone else jumps in and pays the tab. You see this reciprocity of mutual exchange of favors, it is deep-rooted. Psychologists have suggested that this is so deep-rooted that it's subconscious and it's something we naturally want to do. That's, that's research. It is so deep-rooted that sometimes when you want to reciprocate a kind gesture, you typically reciprocate the kind gesture at a higher scale than the original good deed that was done for you. And when you understand that reciprocation is and will always be deep-rooted, you understand that if I give you something first, typically I can get something back. Now, I'm not telling you this to be sleazy, and I'm not telling you this that, hey, if I give something, because there are different types of reciprocation, emotional reciprocation, right? If I compliment you, if I give you a compliment or something that tugs at your emotions and makes you feel good, you'll naturally want to return the favor. Uh, material reciprocation, right? This is, this is the days of if I give you a small gift, sometimes you'll give me a small gift back. Now, 
as we go and understand this key to reciprocation, how do I use this in business? How do I influence somebody to say yes? Couple things. Number one, the key is you want to be first. You want to be first in the key uh, in the art of reciprocation, meaning you want to be the first person to give a quality gesture. You want to be the first person to share something of value. You see, as a sales professional, we're always really good at taking, taking. I'll take your credit card information. I'll take your order. Um, I'll, I'll take your money, right? I'll take your business. But what are you giving back? Let me take the, I'm gonna take the PowerPoint off for a second here. What are you giving back in that law of reciprocation? When you are sharing something with somebody, when you are giving somebody to something, you're asking for something in return. The number one mistake a sales professional makes is it's all about themselves. And this is in every action you make. And it's one of the principles I teach way later. We're not gonna talk about it as commitment and consistency. However, with that being said, if I want someone to say yes to something, and I understand the law of mutual exchange, and I know that it is deep-rooted, deep-rooted that you have a natural tendency to want to return a favor. You have a natural tendency to want to exchange the feelings that I give you, a natural tendency to say yes when I give something to you. Then you best believe I'm going to give something. Salespeople's number one mistake is they just want to take. They want people to say yes, and they feel that the product that they're giving them is enough of, the, is enough of a value. Well, Maybe it is so, but those sales reps, they fall into that category of 19% of only 19% of your business clients or your prospects will say yes. So to influence that decision-making process, to get someone to say yes, two keys you can implement this week. What do you have of value that you can give for free to your prospect? What do you have of value that you can give for free to your prospect? This can be a valuable information to help them save money save time, save energy, enhance process. What of value can you give that is business related? Not only you know your business, and I can't sit here and speak to, to multiple businesses. Matter of fact, my last client I gained was from a business I've never heard of or an industry that I don't say I've never heard of, an industry I didn't realize existed, and we're having the same conversation now, and I'm getting a full understanding. There's areas in your business that are of value that you can give some of them. You can give to somebody, that's one. Number two, what of emotional value can you give to someone that will make them feel good about themselves? Remember, law of mutual exchange, quid pro quo. If I give something to you, you'll naturally give something back to me. And the higher the gesture I give, the higher it works, or the higher the exchange for the favor, favor for favor. Here's an example. If I'm selling a million-dollar car, and I have a prospect that I want to work with, that is potentially interested in buying this million-dollar car. I'm not going to go to this prospect's work office one day and say, hey, man, here's a cup of coffee with a picture of the million-dollar car. I'm thinking about you. Why don't you give me a call? Let's do business. $5 cup of coffee, million-dollar car. Not important. Let's say, same scenario. I want to get in front of my prospect that was the, the perfect candidate to purchase my million-dollar car. He has an office manager, a gatekeeper, somebody that works the front gate that I can't get past anymore. How can I get past that? Law of reciprocity. I can bring that person. I love this and 100%. I bring food to everybody. When I was pounding the streets as an outdoor sales rep, whether it was business to business, medical, or whatever the capacity was, I literally bring food everywhere. And I would bring not cheap food, like 
gourmet food, special coffee somewhere. And I bring it to the gatekeeper. And I would just simply say, hey, I know you're really busy today. I got to be honest with you. I apologize for making an unannounced stop by. Could you do me a small favor? I just want to know when Mr. Johnson's next available appointment is. Can I get on his calendar? You see the difference right there? For the person that I gave something to, I'm simply wanting a moment of her time, a moment of her information for her to give me something of value. Sales reps will walk in and say, hey, how are you doing? And then ask to get information. That's a mistake. You want to give before you take. That's the law of mutual exchange. Bottom line, if you want something, you have to give something. This goes for sales, business, love, relationships. You don't want to be the person that is always withdrawing from that relationship. Your, your prospects is a relationship. You're either learning to work together or work apart. And because we want to make commissionable dollars, we want to be working together. Now, that law of mutual exchange, implement it. Try it this week. Next time you want something, give something first. Super simple, deep-rooted in psychology. It is something that we cannot deny, which brings me to my next principle. Pleasure versus pain. Now, if you remember anything from this webinar today, this will be it. Pain versus pleasure. I'm going to simplify the psychology of consumers and say yes in less than three minutes. And when you hear this, if you've heard it on my podcast before, if you, if you heard me say it before, I apologize for saying it again, but it's true. It is 100% how people make decisions. And let's talk about it. People, the psychology of consumers is this. A consumer will purchase a product or service based on emotional needs or wants and then justify that purchase logically. And the reason I tell you that and the reason I dive into that, that consumers will purchase products based, uh, or services based on emotional needs and wants, then justify purchases logically, you don't even have to type it in the comments. You don't even have to tell me this, if it's you. It happens to all of us. We have all purchased products at one point or time or the other that we don't need, but we justify. New pair of shoes, T-shirt, clothes, food, something because we feel we deserve it, right? That is logic. We're trying to justify our purchases logically. Now, understand this. People will buy from you and people will say yes to you if you can satisfy one of the two basic necessities in life. Every life, human, animal, etc. Every life has two basic necessities in life and that is how people make decisions. They have the need to avoid pain or a loss. No one likes to get hurt. Two, they have the need to gain pleasure. That's it. Pleasure versus pain. When someone says yes, they are going to say yes to you because they want to avoid a pain by saying no. Or they're going to say yes to you because the pleasure of what you're offering is so exciting that they're going to justify that decision of saying yes with logic after the fact because you tug at that person based on their emotional needs and wants. Take that with you. 100%. I, I share this with everyone I work with. What's the pleasure for your prospect? What's the pain for your prospect? And how do they see it? If you want someone to say yes, you have to know what side of the spectrum they fall on. So remember this. Remember, I'll say it one last time. People say yes to products or services based on emotional needs and wants justify purchases after the fact with logic. People say yes to avoid uh, pain or loss. They say yes to experience a pleasure, experience a higher level of pleasure. Now let's talk about how you like, can, can maximize that. And how that can be implemented right away. We're gonna talk about the pain impact. 
Once you identify something with your prospects that is painful, you have to understand people want to avoid pain. And if you have a product, service, or an offering, or something you're asking for someone to say yes, and if they say no, it's going to be painful, then we have to identify that. And in the catapult commission sales process, we talk a lot about a needs analysis, and I won't dive into it today, but bottom line, a needs analysis is a series of questions and prospecting that I do with a client that uncovers the challenges in their current situation, business to business, business to consumer. And with all honesty, if, if this is a relationship dating, the, the, the challenge with their existence, right? Whatever there is, the last time somebody went to dinner by themselves, I find whatever is painful to somebody. And once you identify the pain in their current method, we paint the picture of the pain and we get our prospects to acknowledge that it's painful. Example, if we're using business-to-business sales, and I'm going to be very generic and very general here so I don't disclose uh, any of, of my personal information about my, my sales clients or any of my coaching clients. But let's just say I'm selling whatever. And I'm going to business-to-business and I'm working with a business-to-business consumer, uh, business-to-business customer. And I know that my product, my service, my offering is going to enhance their process. It's going to make their office more productive. It's going to make their office more efficient, which we can even make the argument that higher productivity, higher efficiency leads to higher profitability. But that's my definition. It's not my prospect's definition. So to get my prospect to acknowledge that, I'm simply going to say, walk me through your process for this. And the moment I find the pain, I literally say, man, that's a bummer. And you'd be surprised when I acknowledge a pain Law of mutual exchange, piggyback into the first one. When I acknowledge a pain for a customer, I get one of two responses. One, yeah, it actually is a pain, which is golden. That's what we want. Or two, it's not so bad. And the reason I want one of those two responses, yeah, it's a pain, or B, not so bad, because it tailors the rest of my sales appointment. If someone says, yeah, that's a pain, I just hit a nerve. I just hit a hot button. And now I'm going to dive deep, and I'm going to make life. If when I acknowledge that that's a pain or that's a bummer or that's difficult, whatever the phrase you might say, and that person turns around and says, ah, you know what, Anthony, it's not that big of a deal. Well, now I know that's not something I'm going to spend my time on. That's not something I'm going to dig deep on. The average salesperson will be like, oh, they said this was painful and I'm going to paint this picture on how vivid and, and painful it is. You never listen to what your prospect said. So when we get someone to acknowledge and we do that by I acknowledge first, law of mutual exchange. Man, that is such a bummer, dude. That must be difficult for you. Yeah, yeah, it is, Anthony. Tell me more. How else does it impact the rest of your business? And we dive deep. And once I get my prospects to, ex- uh, uh, to acknowledge and, and, and bring that pain to life, right, we realize that that pain to life comes in financial, uh, productivity, process, support. There's so many different types of pain. And this is really tailored to that business-to-business consumer. But if you're in pharmaceutical, uh, if you're in agricultural sales, or if you're in entrepreneur sales, just trying to sell your own business, sell your service, sell your ideas, sell your vision, you're in a relationship trying to sell yourself, whatever the situation may be, there's different types of pain impacts. And so when you're working with your prospect, you identify that pain impact. Now, this is going to be specifically for uh, business-to-business or entrepreneurs. But we want to quantify that pain. We want to know how much is that pain worth. If I have a $10,000 problem and I have a $10,000 product, we're going to have an issue. If I have a $10,000 problem and a $500 product, I have a valuable product. If I have a $10,000 product 
and a $100,000 or $10,000 pain and a $100,000 product, we're not going to make a sale. So we want to quantify that pain. And you can quantify that pain by time, um, quantify that pain by, by actual inventory, uh, quantify that pain by emotions. Uh, you know, if you sit and you, you strike an emotional nerve, and we're going to go a little bit off that B2B, but B2C, where, where a pain in someone's existence is causing impact in their family life, uh, time they can spend with their spouse, time they can spend with their family, time they can spend with their loved ones. When you quantify that, you get that person to say, man, that is such a pain in my life, dude, I can't even put a dollar amount to it. You struck a deep chord. Time to dive deep, right? So remember, pleasure versus pain. People will say yes to avoid pain or loss. Once you identify the pain, you paint the picture of the pain, you get your customer to acknowledge there's pain, and then you get a yes. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode for a second. I hope you're enjoying what you've heard thus far. Are you a sales professional or do you manage a team of sales professionals? I imagine you know someone who struggles with complacency. I'm talking about the sales rep who has all the tools to be a top performer, but just can't seem to get past the mental hurdle that is holding them back. I completely understand and I relate with you. That is why I've created a detailed approach on how to get out of this stage of complacency and put yourself in position to achieve your next sales goal. Be sure to visit my website, catapultingcommissions.com. Once there, you can find the link to pick up a copy of my international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions. Now, let's get back to our show. Now, pleasure impact. This is pretty easy, to be honest with you, right? I mean, this is, this is really simple, but when people don't understand that there's the opposite side of pain, um, you know, people don't really look at the pleasure so much so that I wasn't going to add it to the webinar today because I assume it's, it's, it's common knowledge. But uh, I've been in this industry long enough and I know there's no such thing as common knowledge. Sometimes it's just nice to hear. Sometimes it's just nice to hear a refresher. So the pleasure impact, if you're asking someone to make a decision to say yes to you and your product, your service, your offering will get somebody to be of a pleasurable state, well, how is your product or service going to enhance the quality of life for your prospect? And when you find out that your product or service can enhance the quality of life, typically this is the opposite of the pain, it falls into multiple categories, right? It can be, you can have someone have a pleasurable experience by giving them more money, giving them more time, giving them status, uh, giving them physical pleasure, giving them emotional pleasure, familial pleasure, taste pleasure. Go to a decent restaurant and someone makes an offer and they tell me how good or how exciting or how wonderful, how, how amazing the, the, the special of the night is, the entree of the night, the dessert of the night. I always say yes. It's a pleasure of mine. I enjoy quality food. The reason I tell you that, it's pretty easy to paint that pleasure, but you have to know what area to paint that pleasure in. And once you get somebody to tell you what their pleasure desires are for your outcome, business to business, business to consumer, agriculture, whatever sales or whatever entrepreneur industry you're in, once you understand what your prospects want to have as a pleasurable experience, you can tailor your approach and tailor your method then. Remember this, you might be a great salesperson, but the dream of pleasure will always be a better salesperson. The dream of pleasure is going to have someone say, yes, you being a great salesperson is going to have someone say, let me think about it. Remember that. People will say yes based on psychological uh, or emotional needs and wants and justify with logic. People say yes to avoid pain. People say yes to experience pleasure. 
People don't say yes because you're a great salesperson. People say yes because you know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. And even so much so that just understanding these principles is going to give you enough to be an improved professional just after this webinar. But if you want to dig deeper and you want to dive deeper, be sure to reach out to me. I'd love to talk with you. All right. The last thing, we're going to wrap up here in about 10 or 15 minutes. I told you I want to be respectful of your time. It's 5.30 uh, Monday evening. We'll be going at this thing for about 30 minutes. Social proof, social validation, it could never be as important as it is now. And the idea and theory behind social proof and social validation is this. That says that we want to do what is socially acceptable to others. In a nutshell, now I can give you the, the full-on uh, uh, definition that the psychologists have written. I can give you the full-on definition that's been re reiterated by different uh, sales gurus and, and sales schools and people who have trained it. Bottom line, simple, layman's terms, you to I. People want to do what other people are doing. People want to do what other people find as acceptable. People want to do what others say is okay. And so much so that the credibility of others, we'll talk about that towards the end on other ways to influence somebody but that also has an impact. Now, social validation at its purest form, it's a psychological phenomenon where people assume the actions of others is the correct behavior. Now, I'm gonna give you an example. There's a old experiment that validated this. And the experiment goes like this. In a cage, several, I don't remember the exact numbers, I'm gonna be honest, let's just say 10. 10 monkeys were placed in a cage. And 10 monkeys were placed in a cage, and on the top of the cage, there was a tree of bananas, right? A, 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 hey, I guess a tree of bananas, a banana stock hanging. And what happened is the bananas were set to an electrocution. So every time a monkey went to grab a banana, they were electrocuted. And quickly, every monkey in the cage learned, I can't go and pull this banana because I'll get electrocuted. So all 10 monkeys stopped grabbing the banana. Then what happened is they extracted one monkey from the group. One monkey from the group was extracted, a new monkey was put in. Now this new monkey that was introduced to the group has no idea that the bananas are uh, filled with electricity. He runs up to there, tries to get bananas. The other nine people grab him, pull him down, and don't allow him to get bananas. They do it to him so much that he naturally stops getting bananas. Then the next thing, the next monkey gets pulled out of the original 10, gets pulled out, the second monkey gets reintroduced to the colony or to the herd, and all those monkeys, the new monkey tries to grab the, uh, the bananas, fill electricity. The other nine monkeys, including the new monkey, stop and pull him down. Well, this cycle repeats itself till eventually there's 10 new monkeys that were never part of the original 10 monkeys. And all of these 10 new monkeys will not grab the bananas because they believe it's filled with electricity, even though none of them have, been filled, none of them have felt the electrical current. None of them have felt the sting. And what happens when the 21st monkey gets introduced? It does exactly what the rest have done. It will not touch the bananas because of a fear of being electrocuted, even though it's never experienced it and no one else in the group has. That social validation of we want to do what others uh, say is okay, what others uh, feel is a correct behavior, it's deep-rooted. It is so deep-rooted that if you were to truly peel back the layers of commercial marketing, of high-level politicians, of, of high-level um, rhetoric, right, or, or high-level just messages in general, you would realize that there is 
so much psychology written in the messages that we hear, and a lot of it is based on social validation and proof. We naturally will form our opinion from the experience of others. We form our opinions based on what other people say, so much so that what I'm about to tell you, you'll say yes to, and I know you'll say yes to, right? So, and I'm telling you this because this is truly deep-rooted, tested and proven. It's not a theory. It, I would say it's fact at this point. It is so tested so well that you, once you learn this principle that social validation and social proof is needed, you, you actually become like me. I'm, I'm so leery on social validation. When someone tries to sell me something or I go to a website and I see everyone who's purchased something, right? And they show me their, the, the clicks of people that have made all these purchases um, or they show me all the reviews that are scrolling from their favorite customers, whatever the situation is to show social proof. I'm always skeptical. I'm like, is that real? Is that really, do we really do that? And I try to dive deep in that. And, and you know, hey, it's a gift and a curse. Once you learn how to do it, it's great. Once you learn what's being done to you, you're like, ah, I'm a little apprehensive. How do you apply this? Anthony, great. Thank you for the science story. Thank you for the lesson. How do I apply this right away to get someone to say yes? Remember, that's the objective of today's course. Third-party stories are your friend. Natural human communication says third-party stories will be your friend. What's a third-party story? It is sharing what the Joneses are doing. It is sharing what the Smiths are doing. If I'm sitting with you and I'm having a conversation, I'll use a conversation that I've had with my spouse. If I want my spouse to say yes to a restaurant that I want to go to, and she's going to watch this and she'll probably say, I already know what you're doing, but the lesson is good. If I'm sitting with my spouse and I want to go to a restaurant that she may not like or she hasn't heard of or she's like, ah, I don't know anything about it, I'm going to say I want to go to the restaurant and I'm going to do two things. I'm a third-party story, which means I have, we have a mutual friend. I have a friend that she knows of. A First, and I say, hey, Billy went to that restaurant, said it was amazing. Social proof, influence. Next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pull up the Yelp reviews and say, look at all these other people that said, this is great. Social proof. I just influenced a decision for someone to say yes. That social validation can be applied in every aspect of life, not just going to dinner. It can be applied in when you're trying to sell your product or service. If I'm going to sell a car to somebody, Someone's uh, nervous because my, the car, you know, they're buying a truck and the truck might be the biggest truck they've ever had and they're nervous about the gas payments or whatever the situation is. I'm literally going to say, I just had a customer like that the other day that had whatever scenario you have. Why? Because I want my prospect to feel comfortable. You're not the only one with this way. And I want you to let you know what my other prospect did. So if you say no, you're the odd man out. I'm going to continue to use third-party stories to validate my point to build up that social proof. I hope that's making sense there. Now, as I said, third-party stories are your friends. However, the mistake you don't want to use is you don't want to use these in a very uh, tacky manner. I guess that's, that's the only way I can describe it. If you use third-party stories in a tacky manner, it's, it typically comes across wrong. It comes across arrogant. Uh, it comes across as a lacking of emotional intelligence. So to effectively use third-party stories, they are just a small tool on your tool belt to influence somebody to say yes. It's not the holy grail. As a matter of fact, of the three lessons we've taught today, they're all small increments that you can use to influence somebody to say yes. If you use all three, you're gonna influence people to say yes more. If you use just one, you'll have a better chance. 
These aren't the holy grail. So don't go to someone and be like, hey, I'm going to tell you what your neighbors did across the street and you're going to say yes. It doesn't work that way. I've seen countless times where a sales rep will use a third-party story at the wrong time. They talk about somebody that's not credible. They talk about somebody that the prospect doesn't like, maybe a competitor in business, right? And, and they talk about somebody sometimes and they're not honest or genuine. And when, you, when that happens, you just lose all credibility. So effective use of third-party stories. If you need help with that, reach out to me. I'd love to talk with you about that. Remember how I said, I'm going to tell you something that everyone does. The average consumer will read 10 online reviews before making a purchase. The average consumer, that's you and I. I would tell you to raise your hands if we were live, but we can't right now. Before you joined this webinar, did you Google who I was? Did you look up a website? The reason I share that with you is reviews are powerful. They're impactful. People will look up those reviews. And of those people, right, the, of, of the average consumer reading 10 online reviews, eight out of 10 people who read reviews will go to the company or person or product's website after the reviews. It's social proof. It's social validation. So some of the key ways to get that social proof or social validation, right? And, and I say these things are some of the four things that would probably be the most popular right now that marketers and consumers are using to influence people to say yes is they have an expert stamp of approval, right? Literally, I just watched a commercial for um, toothpaste. American Dental Association recommends two out of three people use Crest or blah, blah, blah. Expert stamp of approval creates influence. Celebrity endorsement. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why. But when a celebrity says this is good, that has proof. That has credibility. Now, me personally, because I'm on this side and I understand it, I, I also know how much people have paid for celebrities to say these things. The average consumer does not. So when you get a celebrity endorsement on your product, service, or offering, that's pretty impactful, which is why. When you get a celebrity endorsement, someone who has a large following, someone who um, can, is considered an influencer, and they give an unsolicited endorsement, meaning you didn't pay this person, I'm interested. At that point, I'm like, yeah, they said it's okay. I'll try it out. User testimonials, you'll see people, uh, your sales brochures, your sales slicks. This really goes back to that third-party stories. And wisdoms of crowds. I love this one. FOMO, social validation. The fear of missing out will cause people to say yes with vivid imagery all day. You're going to say no to going to this restaurant. Honestly, we're going to go to a party next week with our friends and family. We're going to be the only people that haven't tried this restaurant. Right? That fear of missing out, that FOMO, all of these four things equal social validation. So to influence someone to say yes, really three simple principles you can apply. The law of mutual exchange, understanding the pain versus pleasure principle, and also understanding social validation. How do I get social proof and how do I use that? And if you use one, two, or three of them interchangeably, you'll naturally improve your closing percentage. That I can guarantee. Now, there are additional ways to influence somebody to say yes that will change your business, that will change your life. As I said in the beginning, I would love to go through everything I possibly know and dive deeper. We, we just spent roughly about 40 minutes on today's webinar, and I just scratched the surface. I'm not diving deep, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you I have a $20,000 package or $10,000 package to join me. Simply trying to give you some value. If you like what you've heard, comment, email, post it, share it. That's enough for me. But there are additional ways to create influence, and I'm going to share these with you. 
Just so you know, high-end, if you want to dive deep into one of these, reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Uh, the need for consistency, uh, having credible authority, uh, scarcity principles, buzzwords matter. What you say, how you say it, when you say it does matter. Uh, switching perspectives between you and your prospect, that is a great exercise and truly understands uh, why someone's saying yes to your specific product. That's more of a niche industry, not something ideal for a webinar. Uh, reassurance today, reassuring somebody that they're making the great decision, uh, that they're going to be content, be happy. Uh, imagination is key. Can you have someone imagine themselves saying yes to you? And can you paint a picture of pleasure that will have them say yes? Uh, getting an initial yes is so valuable. Having someone just simply say yes to something small will lead to saying something yes, lead this person to saying yes later. Something small as simple as a test drive, simple as trying out an appetizer, sipping out, having a sip of a cocktail. Uh, just try this. Just evaluate it. Give me your thoughts or your opinion. A small yes can lead to a big yes later. Uh, acknowledging the resistance. This, this is deep-rooted in emotional intelligence, and, and I contemplated teaching this one today, but bottom line in a nutshell, when people have to make a decision, if you just simply step back and say, Mr. Jones, I understand you probably didn't anticipate making this decision today. I couldn't even imagine what it'd be like to be in your shoes. However, I can assure you this. I'm going to give you all the correct information that you can make an educated decision. And if at the end, you still feel you don't have enough information, let me know. But I can assure you, you'll be content with the decision you make today. Just make somebody feel good. Acknowledge they're not comfortable. And the last one is taking away the decision. And, and I love this one so much so that um, on the Catapulting Commissions podcast, I interviewed a guy named Chris Ross. You should definitely check that episode out. Chris talked about this in depth. And it's funny because very few people I've ever had conversations with believe in this principle. But I take away the decision. Sometimes I, hey, man, the decision is not yours. It's mine. And once I have that approach that the decision is mine and not yours, the mood, the environment changes. I'll give you a simple example and you'll understand what I mean by sharing a simple example. When you go for your next interview for a job or you're interviewing a potential client, you think you're interviewing, you're being interviewed at the same time. I tell people every time I interview someone to hire somebody for a sales job, I say the same thing. Look, me interviewing you is just me. I'm interviewing you, but you interviewing me is just as important. And if someone can't articulate a, a valuable question or understand that, then they, typically I'm going to say no. But remember that. They take that decision away from me. And once I realize someone's interviewing me and it's not my decision, I naturally want that person a little bit more. So take away that decision. Those are additional ways to say yes. Those are additional ways to influence people. Yes. A little bit about myself and we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, thank you. Thank you for joining me on today's uh, live sales training. I will be doing this uh, again in the near future. And uh, if you register for today, you'll get an email that will invite you to join me on the next one. If you want to learn more about working with me and you want to schedule a free coaching call, dude, I'd love to spend some time with you. No, no pressure sales. I'm not going to say, hey, you have to pay me to get the answers. It is truly, I find passion and value helping you solve problems. So shoot me an email at info at catapulting commissions. Full disclosure, when you do that, it does put you on my email list. You'll get a weekly video training from me. You'll get uh, subscribed to my podcast that comes out every week. Uh, and the buzzword for today, right? The buzzword for today, if you've made it this far and you've made it, uh, you've gotten this far, the buzzword for today is Dodgers. D-O-D-G-E-R-S. Shoot me an email, say Dodgers. I'll put you on my calendar immediately so we can schedule in for a deep dive uh, on a call. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm going to solve all your problems, but I definitely sure we'll solve one of your problems before we get off this call. 
This call by using the code word Dodgers is going to be a little bit different than the traditional 30-minute discovery call where I find out what's going on and I tell my client, here's what it is to work with me. I really want to dive deep and, and help, help you uh, gain clarity on some of the problems you're having. If you want to continue working with me or learn more about me, uh, you guys will get a copy of the ebook for those who have registered to the live event. I'll shoot you an ebook of catapulting commissions. If you want a physical copy, go to catapultingcommissions.com. I'm going to shoot you a free copy. I ask that you just pay a small portion and fee to cover the shipping and handling. And last but not least, dude, here's all my social media. Anthony P. Garcia is my home website. You can connect with me on there. I would love to talk with you. Would love to learn more about you. AnthonyPGarcia.com on social media under AnthonyPGarcia99. I thank you for joining with me today. And for those of you that have made the live recording, I'm going to go jump in the comments right now, see if there's anything I missed. For those of you that are watching the recording later, do me a favor. Shoot me a message. Give me feedback. Tell me what you thought. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you waste your time? I got thick skin. I promise you, you're not going to hurt my feelings. If it sucked, tell me, Anthony, you sucked. If it was great, say, Anthony, it was great. I look forward to hearing from you. I thank you for spending time with me. Other than that, guys, I really appreciate your time joining with me today. I will see you on the next one. And if I could be of service, don't be afraid to ask. Thanks, guys. Have a good evening. Well, that does it for today's episode on Catapulting Commissions with Anthony Garcia. If you found some value in today's show, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe to Catapulting Commissions. That way you get notified of new episodes every week. Lastly, please take a screenshot of today's show and share it on Instagram. Every week, I'll be giving away a signed copy of my best-selling book to one person who tags me at Anthony P. Garcia 99 and includes the hashtag catapulting commissions. Thank you for your time and I look forward to helping you achieve higher commissions.